It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November third, two thousand and eleven. We appreciate you being a part of the program and joining us for our Bible study tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob. Uh, great to join you on the virtual Bible study Thursday nights, as always. Yes, and it is, and we are looking forward to your participation tonight. The, program, the number to call to be a part of the program is 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number, and it is open now for you to call. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. And the chat room, if you're watching us live on the program tonight, is available to the right of your video window. Lots of listeners in there. Paul from Indiana Nick from Florida, and David from Lake City, Minnesota, some of the names that we see in the chat room tonight. And so we're uh, glad that you're there, and we look forward uh, to your participation on the program tonight. Interesting topic that we've got planned tonight. Jacob, we're going to talk tonight uh, about capital punishment. And I hope everybody understands what we mean when we use the expression capital punishment. That's pretty common nomenclature. The idea is the death penalty. Uh, Should the death penalty be administered against people who commit certain crimes. And what should we think of that from a biblical perspective? Is, it, is, is the concept supported, uh, authorized, encouraged uh, in the Word of God, or, or is it against the will of God that people should be put to death for certain crimes? That's what we want to investigate in our study tonight. All right, and uh, we did uh, have an interview lined up, and hopefully he'll be joining us uh, here on the program. But... Uh Perhaps not. You had gotten in touch with someone earlier yeah, today. I, I talked to, with Mark Clements, who is the administrator of the National Office of the Campaign to End the Death Penalty up in Chicago, Illinois. And Mark was to have given us a call already, and we've missed our connection with him. I hope that he will still call. Uh, Mark is in favor of ending the death penalty, obviously. That's the name of his organization, Campaign to End the Death Penalty. And we wanted to talk to him and get his viewpoint on that and get his perspective. I hope Mark will still be able to call us. We hate yes. to put out word that we have an interview scheduled and then are not able to, to make the connection. So we hope uh, that that will still happen. Nick is actually from uh, Quincy, Washington in the chat a room. Nick. We misidentified Nick. So we're all over the uh, continent tonight. We appreciate uh, Nick for being with us out in Washington. Okay. Well, we are looking forward, uh, hopefully, to Mark joining us because I, I think Mark would um, perhaps present his side of the, of the story better than we could uh, with his arguments and all. Uh, yeah. But uh, we're going to look to the scriptures and see what arguments the scriptures make, uh, pro or con, regarding the subject of the death penalty. Again, it's toll free at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com, and the chat room's filling up tonight, so we look forward to hearing from you in there as well. Um, to our update list earlier today, we sent out some questions to get you thinking about the topic that we wanted to address tonight: capital punishment. Um, and here are the questions we sent out. Again, you can always get on our list. Just send us an email. Put me on the list. That's all you have to do. You just ask that. We'll do it, and uh, you'll get our weekly updates. Plus, you'll get a bonus uh, on Tuesday each week. We send out our 
church bulletin by email, and you can get that as well. If you don't want it, just delete it. That's an easy fix, but uh, we send out both things. So you get two emails a week from us if you give us your email address. Here's the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, are you for or against capital punishment? I only got one email response to that specific question. Anthony in uh, here, here in Columbia, Tennessee, says, I support capital punishment. In the chat room, Nick uh, uh, has mentioned, I believe capital punishment works 100% of the time. It is intended to deter certain criminals from recommitting specific crimes, and they never commit them again after the death penalty is enforced. All right. Uh, so uh, uh, we got at least two people on board as saying they favor it. And guess, we have an undecided in the chat room. Right? Guest 305 says, I never really thought about the death penalty, so I'm interested in learning. Okay. That's so, great. Great. So uh, my guess is that the majority of people who would be listening tonight would probably join us in agreement that the Scriptures teach that capital punishment is justified and authorized. That's where we're coming from. And, and uh, so we'll talk about that as we go on. It's not, it's not enough, Jacob, to simply say, I think we should do it. Right. Um, what I think or you think or anybody else thinks doesn't matter. It's what does God's word say. So that's what we want to try to justify that based upon God's word. And we should, if we're going to be in support of something, compare it with God's word and determine what uh, God has said about it. And so that's what we want to do on the program tonight. All right, so the first question was just just sort of a uh, unofficial poll. Are you for or against the capital punishment? Number two, what do we learn about capital punishment during the patriarchal age and then in the Mosaic dispensation? So basically from Old uh, Testament time. Historical perspective. From Old Testament time. Okay. What, what do we learn? Uh, knowing, of course, as we've often taught on the verse of Bible study, we're not under the Old Testament, but what could we learn by by way of God's thinking about such things okay. under those times. Okay. Now, the the really important question is what New Testament, this is question three, what New Testament passages have a bearing on determining God's will on this subject? So that, that the New Testament is our law today. What What is our specific law in this matter? Mm-hmm. And then question four, we want to deal with some objections. What would you say to someone who says capital punishment is wrong because an innocent person might be put to death? Or capital punishment is wrong uh, because it really is not a true deterrent to crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, capital punishment is wrong because it can't be harmonized with the concept of a loving God. Okay. So we'll deal with those questions. And then the last question, again, just sort of a subjective question. What about you? What if you were put on a jury, you were sitting on a jury on a capital murder case, and could you sentence someone to the death penalty if you were on a jury in such a case all right uh look forward to your program uh, your comments on the program tonight and uh yeah there's another topic that we may get into tonight uh volunteers in the chat room uh has, i saw that who is that i don't know i, I think that's a commentary on our football season it could be i think it Vol- is all in tears yes uh, yeah. spelled a little bit differently there but uh volunteer says uh suggests maybe we could talk about some problems with the death penalty in the in, in the legal system that we have today, and there are some issues with that. Along those lines, Nick uh, says that he is in favor of the of capital punishment, but he's not in favor of it in American courts because of some of the problems uh, that exist in our legal system today. So that might be something we get into later on in the program as well. Look forward to hearing from you on the program over the phone, over email, or in the chat room tonight as we talk about the death penalty. Are you for or against capital punishment? You've already let the cat out of the bag. You're for capital punishment. I'm going to say, based upon my study of the subject, that I think the Bible uh, authorizes it, justifies it, and even commands it. Okay. All right. Well, let's look at uh, the historical picture then and find out uh, what God has uh, 
said about capital punishment over time, and it didn't take long in the history of mankind for God to reveal his position on capital punishment. Yeah. Uh, when we look in the Old Testament, early in the Old Testament, in the in the book of Genesis even, uh, just shortly after the, the story of Adam and Eve as, as, the, as their immediate descendants are being named uh, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 15. Genesis 4, verse 15, concerning Cain and Abel, the Lord said to to Cain, of course, Cain was afraid the people would try to kill him because he killed his brother. Mm-hmm. The Lord said to him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. But later, uh, we know that uh, the law was established that the death penalty should be enforced. Yeah, Anthony uh, referenced that. Uh, he says uh, clearly capital punishment uh, was instituted by God in the patriarchal ages. We see in Genesis chapter 9. Verses 5 and 6. That's right. Genesis 9, 5. I surely, surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of a man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So that's a really early statement. Now that statement, of course, comes just after Noah's flood. Uh, so we've got some pretty plain statements there dating way back in the history of mankind and God's dealing with man that he understood the sacredness of life and that it was reasonable, justifiable, even instructed that men should be punished. If you would take a man's life, it only mentions that specific offense Mm -hmm. in in the patriarchal age that I'm aware of, only mentions that specific offense. If you committed murder, then the punishment for that would be that your life would be taken, capital punishment. But it does show that God did not uh, forbid or uh, condemn Capital punishment under the patriarchal age. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, and uh, then as we go on in the Mosaic age, we see uh, the, the law continues to be defined. Yeah. So we got, we've got a little bit of information, not an abundance of information, about how God felt about these sort of things before the time of Moses. But when God gave the law to Moses for the nation of Israel, he he very clearly instructed uh, that they should administer the death penalty for quite a long list of sins. Jeff, I made a chart there earlier today. Jeff can pop that up on the screen. Uh, A whole long list, uh, and of course it's all from Exodus and Leviticus, some from Deuteronomy. Here's, Here's the list of 16 crimes for which the death penalty was to be imposed. Murder. Rebellion against your parents, kidnapping, incest, homosexuality, bestiality, witchcraft, boredom or prostitution, blasphemy, Sabbath breaking. In fact, there in Numbers chapter 15, we have the example of a man who was caught doing work on the Sabbath. And God instructed that he should be put to death. That would seem maybe like a minor offense to most people in our day, but God commanded that he should be put to death. That was God's specific instruction on how to deal with that that man idolatry rebellion to judges false prophesying false testifying adultery and rape and so we've got a long list uh, of of the various crimes that would bring the death penalty under the law of moses and some of them are pretty shocking i think to those of us today when a, a child who would be rebellious to his parents could be put to death right. for that, for instance. Yeah. Obviously, homosexuality, which is so widely accepted in our perverse culture of our day, 
was a capital offense in those times. And so uh, just a, a long list of things under Moses. Now, what would what would be our conclusion when we when we read those uh, things? What will we conclude from that? Clearly, we conclude that God's God has not historically been against the death penalty. You know, if someone says, "Well, how do you harmonize the the death penalty with a loving God?" Well, we have to harmonize it because we know God is love, but we know God also commanded the death penalty for certain crimes. Now, here's an interesting angle in the chat room. Rob is in the chat room. He says, I believe we are to follow the law of Moses, but we are not under the law. In parentheses, he says the penalty is no more. Rob says we need to follow the Old Testament law. Now, if we did that, though, we'd have to uh, conclude that uh, someone who's disobedient to his parents would be be punished by death if we're to be following the law of Moses today. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure what Rob necessarily means. We're to, certainly, we believe the law of Moses is, is, was inspired of God. It was given by God. There's certainly things for us to learn from it, but Rob might want to clarify. We don't live under the law of Moses today. Uh, that's not our authority well, for our... We would agree with what Nick has said in the chat room. Nick says the Old Testament is for our learning, and we learn much about justice and the mind of God, and we'd agree with that. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. And so maybe uh, Rob could, could uh, clarify a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's a lot of, lot of talking. The chat room is very active. If good, you're not in there tonight, comments, you might yeah. want to join him with that discussion. Uh, Paul mentions the law of Moses was a civil law for a nation as well as a spiritual law. So when God set up a civil government for his people, he included death penalty. Okay. So, in other words, civil governments are the administrators of capital punishment. And when God had a civil, his people under his direction as of a civil government he included the death penalty. all right we're going to miss a lot of comments in the chat room and i can tell that already but we do appreciate the comments and you can uh, feel free to comment among yourselves and we look forward to taking your comments if you want to be your, your voice to be heard for sure the easiest way to do that is on the phone toll free at 877-381-4567 or in the email inbox questions at collegeu.com those comments will not be overlooked tonight we will perhaps miss some in the chat room as they slide off of our screen. But we're talking about the, the death pun- penalty, capital punishment on the virtual Bible study tonight. We've looked at what uh, the patriarchal age, uh, God's law and feeling on the subject was. We've looked at the Mosaic age. We'll talk about it some more on the other side of the break. But we want to take your thoughts. Is capital punishment still something that we should be doing today? Let us know your thoughts. We'll take a break and get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Do you remember a time when no one had ever heard of a church with a family life center or a gymnasium? Can you think back to a time when good brethren would have been outraged to see a church budget overloaded with kitchen equipment and supplies, athletic equipment, and buses to carry kids to amusement parks? Are you concerned because the church you're attending has gotten all wrapped up in things that you know should not even be a part of the work of the church? Would you like to find a congregation that is committed to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways? If so, please visit us soon. Come and see for yourself. Visit us at the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Here are some quotes worth pondering. Grace is giving to another what they don't deserve. Mercy is not giving to another what they do deserve. In times like these, it helps to remember that there have always been times like these. Man, I wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. In times like these, uh, we've been 
Well, we failed again on an interview. Well, we had two weeks in a row. We had people lined up for interviews that did not connect with us and make the the committed interview that we had. So we're sorry. Sorry we have announced that. You're going to lose your position as chief interviewer, setter-upper. I know it, and I'm sorry. I apologize for not being able to produce the goods there on on the interview that we had lined up. Uh, Before we move further into our study, I I want to mention that – there's been several comments in the chat room, and we want to deal with this a little later on in our study. Uh, uh, Nick has mentioned, um, he says, having taken the position of being in favor of capital punishment, let me also make it known that I'm not in favor of it in American courts because they do not require the stringent evidence that the Bible demands before a person could be put to death. Uh, he mentions... Uh, DNA is a form of evidence that still relies on statistical probability, no matter how little. Uh, so, the jur- also the jury has no idea whether the experts are telling the truth or not. So, Nick is concerned about potential injustice in the administration of the death penalty. We'll talk about that. One. And there has been a question posed by Paul: Could a Christian be the one who administers the death penalty? We'll talk about that maybe at the end of the program. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that, because yeah. I think that's an interesting question. I've engaged that people with that question before. Yeah. Could you be the one to pull the switch on the electric chair or inject the, 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 the deadly mixture into the veins of a person being executed? We'll talk about that. All right. But let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's keep following the kind of the, the idea that we suggested in our questions by way of a, a format and let's go to the New Testament. And if you're in the chat room or if you if you want to send us an email, we're watching our email too. What New Testament, and my question was miswritten. As I said, what New Testament passage, as though there might only be one. There's actually several. What New Testament passages have a bearing on determining God's will on this subject? All right. Um, let's, say, let's hear your thoughts in the chat room. Uh, quickly, uh, Romans 13 has been brought up in the chat room, and I think it uh, will probably be brought up by other listeners as well. Anthony has brought up. Uh, the the question as well on Romans 13. What about that? Yeah, I think Romans 13 is maybe the definitive text on the matter. Uh, Romans, let's read Romans 13, beginning verse one. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Uh, Wherefore you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. So uh, I think a, a, a pretty plain statement there that God has ordained civil governments. So civil governments exist because God ordained that it should be so. Right. Uh, that if you resist the civil government, you're actually it, it effectively resisting God because they are God's uh, ordained or appointed ministers. The, the only people who need to be afraid when government is operating the way God ordained them to operate. Now, yeah. that's not saying that, that we haven't had corrupt governments. That's right. But when governments are operating the way that God ordained the only ones who need to fear them are evildoers. Um, but the, especially in regards to our question tonight, verse 4 of Romans 13, If thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Notice, for he beareth not the sword in vain. Um, so he's a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth wrath. So 
you know, be afraid if you do evil. But the, the, the phrase that you got to deal with is, he beareth not the sword in vain. He, of course, is personifying civil government. Yeah. Civil government bear, does not bear the sword in vain. In other words, he got a sword, and it's not just for looks. Yeah. It's for doing something with it. And you don't, you know, that's for inflicting yeah, because he just said that he was, if you are an evildoer, be afraid, because he's got a sword, and God has ordained him to use that sword. He right. bears not the sword in vain. He's the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath on him that doeth evil. If you do evil, God says government is going to punish you for doing that. He has ordained them to do that job. You know, I believe that's the principal job of civil government, as God ordained it, unfortunately. In many places, including in our country, civil governments do not do that God-ordained job uh, like they should. But that, that is their job. And so I, I think that that's a, uh, a, a classic text that certainly would suggest the idea that God wants civil governments to be administering capital punishment. There are a lot of other passages as well in the New Testament that... Real quick before we pass that, Jay. Notice that... It says civil government is the revenger. I'm not. That's true. If you back up to the verses just before the ones that we read, uh, it says in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So let's say someone does something very bad to me. Let's say someone kills my one of my loved ones. Yes. What do I do? Do I go out and hunt them down and kill them? take personal vengeance on them for what they... No, I'm, I'm forbidden to do that. But God says, I will repay. Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, God says. How does he do that? Well, one of the ways he does that is through civil government. All right, and that brings us back to the original question uh, that Paul posed. Could a Christian then therefore execute uh, the punishment? We'll talk about that uh, toward the end of the program, but you can keep those verses and those passages in your mind as you formulate your answer uh, to his question. Now... As we talked about earlier, there are several passages in the New Testament that uh, indicate, again, God's approval of capital punishment in the New Testament age. And Nick in Washington has referenced us uh, to one in Acts chapter 25, verse 11. And Paul makes the similar statements numerous times in the book of Acts about the death penalty. He says in Acts 25, verse 11, if, I, if then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die, but if none of those things which is true of which these men accuse me, no one can hand uh, me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Paul says there, he, he alludes to the fact that there are some things worthy of death because he's, he, he says that he has not done anything worthy of death. If he had, he wouldn't re- refuse. If the death penalty was wrong and sinful and God disapproved of it, Paul would say, I have not done anything worthy of death because God won't let you put me to death. But he says, if I haven't, then I, I, yeah. I don't, if I have done it, I don't refuse to die. So here's an inspired man, and and his uh, his statement clearly teaches that there are some things worthy of death. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't say, you can't put me to death. God doesn't allow governments to put anybody to death. He said, no, if I've done something worthy of death, I refuse not to die. So right. I think... I think that's a great passage as well. There are other passages in the New in, in Acts where Paul makes similar uh, statements. In Acts 25, verse 25, uh, but when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, again, Paul alludes to the fact there are some things that are worthy of death. In Acts 26, verse 31, uh, when they are gone aside, uh, they talk between themselves, saying, this man doeth nothing worthy of death. So the Roman governors They're, understood some things are worthy of death, and other things but not. But Paul did as well in Acts 25, verse 25, and 25, verse 11. 
Well, in Acts 25. Oh, no, no, that's, sorry, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a great, fastest, yeah, you're right. Fastest you're right. To agree, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Now, so, but in, let's go to, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. I was going to reference another passage where Paul well, alludes to I, the I fact. Think, I think that just before we pass from that, those verses are worth making a note of. You know, if you make marks in your the margins of your Bible, note those. Because, I mean, that, that, that's a powerful argument. How do you argue against what the inspired apostle Paul said? Yes. He said there were some things worthy of death. Go ahead. Oh, well, uh, Nick has beat me to the punch again because he goes where I was headed next, Romans 1, verse 32. After the, In Romans chapter 1, listing uh, those terrible reprobates that are mentioned there in Romans 1, verse 32, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who pra- practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same but have give hearty approval to those who practice them. Paul says these people knew and understood God's feeling about these things that they're worthy of death i'd like to take a poll on that i've always i've always been of the understanding there that the death that he's talking about in verse 32 is spiritual death eternal punishment rather than than uh well i don't know capital about punishment, that. Physical. I, i've never i've never taken it that way you you've always thought it was physical death yeah because you would they'd already be dead i mean they wouldn't be worthy of death they'd already be dead well but i mean look at the list are you going to extra are you going to administer capital punishment to people who are proud uh, people who are, uh, uh, what are some of the others? Just people who are engaged in uh, debate. In other words, they're, they're argumentative kind of people, uh, whisperers or gossips. You're going to administer capital punishment against all those? Well, it, I mean, it may, some, be, it may some be somewhat them, figurative in nature. Perhaps. Some of them, some of them in the list, definitely. I mean, because it, it, it includes uh, homosexuality and murder and, and so forth. Uh, but I don't know. If you're in the chat room, give us your thought. I I I I tend to take Romans one verse thirty two in the sense that they're worthy of being eternally punished. That may be true. That uh, may be true. I've never taken it that way. Yeah, uh, but but we can we can get some comment on that. All right. There's some other passages that we're not, we haven't run out of passages in the New Testament that that we need to add into the mix. Uh, a really good one is in First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. Uh, verses 13 and 14, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. What are governors for? They are sent by God for the punishment of evildoers. Now, that doesn't say capital punishment. It doesn't doesn't say they take their lives, but it clearly indicates the civil government's role in punishing those who do evil. Mm-hmm. And I saw earlier in the chat room, I think Paul mentioned that these statements that we're reading were under the time of the Roman Empire, which was a corrupt government, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Yet God still said, submit to the civil authorities, and the civil authorities were there for the purpose of punishing evildoers. All right. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. If you think that the New Testament authorizes or condemns capital punishment, we want... Uh, to hear from you. Uh, let me give you another one, Jacob, from John 19 in the life of Jesus. When Jesus was under arrest just before his crucifixion, uh, he was before Pilate. Uh, it says in John 19, verse 8, when Pilate therefore heard the saying, he was the more afraid because uh, the Jews had said, we have a law by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, that he was the son of God. He was the more afraid and went again into the judgment hall and said to Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate to him, Speakest thou not to me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and I have the power to release thee? 
Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, that he that delivered me into thee hath the greater sin. Pilate said, I have power to kill you. I have power to execute you. And Jesus said, the only reason you have that power is because it's given from above. It was given by God. God gave civil governments the authority to execute capital punishment. That's now, interesting. We, we might ask the question, what about really corrupt governments? I mean, we've already said the Roman government was pretty corrupt, but look, what about governments that take life? You know, for instance, uh, in, in communist Russia, I think uh, Joseph Stalin is credited with killing over 20 million Russian citizens in his reign of terror. In other words, there's the government. They're killing people right and left. Or I think in communist China, the numbers are even higher. Maybe 60 to 80 million people have been killed by the communist government in China. Is that still going on? I, I don't I, I, I would think it's not at the same level that it has been, but there's still a, there, there's still a, a reign of terror uh, under those communist regimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, would we say that that's justified? I mean, we're saying governments are justified to take life. Are we therefore forced the position to say, well, you, if, if that's the case, then you're going to have to sign off on communist China, Stalinist yeah. Russia? Uh, and, and I think the answer to that would be no. Uh, governments are ordained of God, uh, and he's ordained them to operate in a, in a certain way. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't mean that we, we therefore have to simply – approve all governments and the and all the actions of all governments the i think a good analogy to that is marriage right god that's where or, i was headed god ordained marriage it's a good thing but that doesn't mean that all marriages are good the concept of marriage is good and ordained of god but that doesn't mean that all marriages are good marriage and we don't throw out marriage because people are getting married unlawfully unlawfully or they're not behaving themselves as they should in their marriage right okay well, uh, the chat room has weighed in on uh, your question about Romans 1 verses 32 being spiritual or physical death, and the majority say it's spiritual. I think it's at a uh, two-to-one uh, right now. Not that that determines truth, but most people see it the way you do, do so maybe I need to reconsider my well, you're saying, that. You say that, that most people are seeing it as a, spir- a spiritual, a death, spiritual yeah. death, not a physical death. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, let's take a break, get this week's bullet point, and we do look forward to your comments. Uh, we had an interview signed up uh, tonight on the program, uh, and that fell through. So you can be our interviewee if you would uh, like to uh, be on the program tonight to let us know your thoughts about capital punishment. We'd love to hear from you. The email address to use is questions at collegeu.com. The telephone number is 877-381-4567. That line is free, and it's open now. We'll be right back after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Many people are confused and disturbed by various signs and symbols used in the book of Revelation. Numerous self-proclaimed prophecy experts add to the confusion with their erroneous interpretations which suggest that the current world events are the fulfillment of things discussed in Revelation. Students of this important book in the New Testament should always remember the important keys to understanding which are expressed in the very first verse. It clearly states that, quote, things which must shortly come to pass are under consideration, and these are, quote, signified or spoken in signs by use of symbolic language in the book. Many have tried to decipher the mark of the beast, which is mentioned several times in the final chapters of Revelation. Here's what seems clear. The beast was a representation of agents that Satan, who's also called the dragon, was using to persecute Christians. 
Those who worshipped the beast and received his mark were the ones who aligned with those evil forces that were opposing God and his people. Some have speculated that those who received the mark of the beast on their hand were the ones who compromised with these opposing forces for their own safety and prosperity. They might not have really accepted the worship of the beast in their head, but they outwardly complied for convenience sake. On the other hand, those who received the mark on their forehead were the ones who were fully accepting of everything these evil forces were doing. The promise of God was that any and all who united with those forces that were opposing the Lord and persecuting his saints would, quote, drink of the wine of the wrath of God, chapter 14, verse 10. The mark of the beast is not something that is happening in the world today. But it is still true that those who oppose God will pay an eternal price for their rebellion. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Welcome back on the program tonight as we talk about capital punishment. And we have opened up a can of worms here. There's lots of different angles that are coming out in the chat room. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's just let's just uh, tie a knot on that uh, Romans one thirty two question. Okay. I mean, we, we've got differing opinions on it. But I like the point that Anthony made. We don't have to have that verse to justify capital punishment. Okay. That's true. So uh, if, there's, if there's a question on the proper application of that, passage we can study that some more but that certainly doesn't diminish the conclusion that god authorizes capital punishment all right there has been another question we'll save it towards the end do you have to have eyewitness evidence in order to convict someone of capital punishment in uh the could you, New convict, them, could you convict them on circumstantial evidence dna evidence dna or forensic evidence Let's talk about that. We'll, All right, we'll, so that is that's uh, another that's question. A question that has been uh, there, and there's some differing opinions on that in the chat room as well. Um, and uh, so uh, we've got plenty of things to talk about, but we'd love to hear from you, 877-381-4567. Let me, uh, uh, let me just sort of summarize where we've come so far in our study. In the Old Testament, we learned that God approved of capital punishment, both under the patriarchal age and under the Mosaic dispensation Mm -hmm. so those are not our laws for today but we we can see something about how god felt toward those matters by seeing that there in the new testament we're not we're not without a good uh proof that capital punishment is ordained by god that it is authorized that it is instructed that it's the role of civil government to conduct those matters romans 13 1 through 6 first peter 2 13 14 john 19 8 through 9 Acts 25, verses 9 through 11, were the verses that we think are really strong that lead to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. All right, now, that leads us to the part of our study that I think uh, we we may have some differences of opinions, and I think maybe some have already been expressed in the chat room. Well, how would you answer those who say capital punishment is wrong? You just can't do it because there's a, a possibility that an innocent person might be put to death. All right. Along those lines, uh, Phil in Indiana sends in his comments. He says, yes, in spite of all the legal uh, precautions, an innocent person might be put to death. But there are things that we judge to be so important they are worthy, uh, the, worth the risk of making mistakes that cost the lives of innocent people. The attack on Osama bin Laden's compound could have easily resulted in an innocent person being put to death. 
But getting him was worth that risk. Wars are judged necessary even though the most careful of commanders know an innocent person might be put to death. Most of us judge that these are risk that there are risk in life worth taking because a failure to respond strongly to the evil before us would be worse. Taking a strong stand against evil is so vital to ensuring a peaceful society that it outweighs the risk of making occasional mistakes. I think that's right. I, I would agree wholeheartedly with Phil's conclusion there. Um, Anthony sent in an email, or he's in the chat room too, but he sent in an email that said, it's true that an innocent person may be put to death, but this doesn't make the punishment itself wrong. We have to do our best to carry out justice despite our imperfections. Actually, in our country, someone sentenced to death will have many, many years to reflect on his soul's state and plenty of time to obey the Lord and study his word. So uh, I think that's true. I, I mean, there there is the But, you know, even under the uh, what we know to be God-mandated capital punishment under the law of Moses, there was still a possibility that a mistake could have been made. Sure. You know, it's said, and, and uh, sev- several references have been made to... Uh, what is that passage? That, some of the passages, I think I just threw away my note. Uh, some of those passages that talked about you had to have uh, uh, several witnesses. Yeah. Um, going back in the chat room, I may not get to it. Because um, somebody had put it in there before. Right. Uh, what is, I've, got, I've got Deuteronomy 17. Is it, it's in the trash can. It's in the trash can. It's Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. is one. It's not the only one. But Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. Uh, said that you had to have multiple eyewitnesses to conduct uh, such a, uh, a penalty. At the, this is Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. So there was a safeguard there that you had to have at least two witnesses before you could conduct a, a, a death penalty. But what if both of those witnesses were wrong or lying? Yeah. I mean, that, well, that, the comments have been made in the chat room that Anthony makes. Jesus was accused by false witnesses. So even under the Jewish law, Jesus could have been put to death by the legal system because of the false witnesses. Yeah. They had they have they have their eyes dotted and T's crossed under the legal, you know, by the book, I guess. And so the fact that's, that that sometimes it, there must there may be a misapplication, either purposeful or accidental. A misapplication of the death penalty. It, it was. It didn't stop him from doing it in the Old Testament. And I don't think it should stop us from doing it now. We want, as God-fearing people, we want. We we should insist that every potential precaution be taken against an innocent person being put to death. I now Nick in the chat room has suggested otherwise, but I, I think that that our judicial virus system, database has been updated. That's good Hello. to know. That's Hello. good to know. We're safe. <laughs> uh, that was on our main computer there telling us that we were... No, we need to kill that. They used to not do that. Um, what was I saying? Well, under our, in, in our judicial system, extreme precautions, I think, are made. Nick, Nick suggested that he didn't trust our legal system, and I know that there are certain failings and, and so forth in our, our legal system, but I, I think that there's been a, a, maybe a bending over backward to be sure that you know nobody who is innocent is is penalized with the death penalty... Because you get somebody who's convicted of a capital crime, it's going to be 20 to 30 years before that sentence is carried and out. It's going to be multiple appeals. Multiple appeals. Now, those, and those appeals, by the way, are mandated. It's, you know, yeah. it's not just if someone chooses to do it. 
they are required to go through those appeals processes. Okay. Uh, Brad has this take on it in Athens, Alabama tonight. He says, most death penalty opponents argue against it because they claim it is not consistently and justly applied. For instance, the rich usually get off because they can afford lawyers who can get them acquitted. My question is whether, uh, he, this was uh, aimed at the uh, gentleman who was supposed to join us in the interview tonight, whether he would oppose other punishments on the same grounds. In other words, parents don't always apply corporal punishment consistently. Does he then oppose any and all corporal punishment? The same could be said for imprisonment and fines. Uh, does he oppose them? If not, why not? Again, that, that, that's true. Do we throw out all punishment or condemnation of evil because certain condemnations are not just? Okay. Uh, well, that's not your thoughts. So there, there's some other questions that have been posed. Paul, Paul Again, we'll, says, talk, we'll talk about those. Uh, could you do the executing? And do we need eyewitnesses? There's a lot of uh, banter going about about do we need eyewitnesses in order to be justified in capital punishment today. In the chat room, Paul says, I find it disturbing that a person innocent of the accused crime could be put to death, but this cannot prevent us from carrying it out. I think that's right. I mean, I, I think any right-thinking person would be devastated to know that an innocent person was wrongly executed. We would we never want that to happen. Nobody wants that to happen. But the preventative against that happening is not to say, therefore, don't do what God said to do. The preventative against that is to take all reasonable precaution. Do your work. Do it well. Make sure you've got the facts before you make the determination that the person is guilty of a capital crime. But... Just because there's a potential abuse of the system doesn't mean that you can, uh, therefore, abandon the system. All right. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room over email tonight. Again, after the break coming up, we're going to get to this question. Could the Christian carry out uh, the, actually do the the death penalty, uh, pull the switch, and administer the drugs, shoot the rifle, etc.? Do we need eyewitnesses? Kevin in the chat room says man is not going to be able to execute judgment perfectly. Only God can do that. So, since we can't do it perfectly, should we disregard everything that God allows civil authority to do? Seems like that might condone anarchy. I think he's right. I, th- I think that's right, Kevin. I think that concludes. I mean, we're, 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 gonna, we're fallible people. We're going to make mistakes. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't shoot for the mark of, of, of perfection and do what God said to do to the very best of our ability. All right. Yeah, and... It, and and we, uh, to our best of our ability, again, we want we ought to, every effort ought to be made to make sure that no innocent person is being con, med, con, uh, being to it, this. Yeah, yeah, being executed. Right. Um, we got just a minute before the break here, Jacob. Let's let's take this second objection that's sometimes offered. What would you answer to those who say capital punishment is not a deterrent to crime? Well, you know, there may have been some studies as well that have. Uh, tried to show that. I think uh, uh, our uh, scheduled guest had some studies on his website where he thought that it was not a turn to crime. I don't know that that is uh, ever stated as a reason for it. Yeah, it's you know, in the Bible it's not stated necessarily. However, I, I do notice one place here, and uh, this is a verse that I think some have alluded to in the chat room. In Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11, it says, "...because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily." Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Now, that may suggest that if, if you do not administer punishments for crimes in a reasonable and speedy manner, then it will cause people to be more fully set in their hearts to do evil. So that I think God's word there suggests that properly administered 
punishments against crime are a deterrent to crime. Okay. And I, I just I got to believe that that in general, when when authorities do their work like they should, it's going to deter crime, and not not just necessarily the death penalty, but all of their work of 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 enforcing the laws, punishing those who violate them. Uh, in other words, yeah. if, if I, when I'm driving home this evening, if if I didn't think that there was at least possibility that I could get a speeding ticket. That'd be a lot more. I'd be a lot more inclined to speed. You yeah. know, the, the fact that there's a cop with a radar gun out there somewhere provides a deterrent of some measure, even in regards to something like the speed limit. Or right? the fact, well, the fact you might have to face God for. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, just from yeah. a human standpoint. Yeah, from a human standpoint. I, yeah. I understand. I should obey the civil government. I should obey the speed limit. I, please understand. That's what I, I know that I should observe the speed limit law, whether right. it's ever enforced or not. But just speaking from a human standpoint. The potential that there's a, a, a cop out there with a radar gun is going to be something that's in my mind that makes me at least more inclined to stay at the speed limit. Well, and the problem with these studies is that you have to, for a study to be successful, you have to uh, successfully isolate the variables. And there's so many variables in, in crime and what causes crime and what deters crime, it is impossible to know for certain whether or not the death penalty is effective in deterring crime. Uh, I, you, you know, to, I would think that in some cases it, it may not be a deterrent. You know, we, we hear people who commit these so-called crimes of passion. Mm -hmm. You know, they just they they're going to commit murder and they don't care what the consequences are to them or anybody else. They they, they just a, this is a this is something you know that just grabbed them, and they and they they're going to do it regardless. They, you know, they just don't care. And so maybe the death penalty doesn't deter them from going out and committing murder. But I I got to think that. And if you if you consider that we live in a time when there's a much higher degree of regard for human life in our country, in our culture, there's a much higher degree of regard for human life than there was, say, a century ago or 200 years ago. Well, you know, that has to be uh, a result of the fact that people have been taught that there are consequences to taking human life. Okay. Uh, I, I believe that it is a deterrent. But as, as was pointed out in the chat room, that's not necessarily a, a strong biblical. I think the Bible hints at it there in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11, that there's a deterrent effect to enforcing laws. But that's not. I don't think that's the main reason why we do it. We're not primarily doing it uh, for that reason. We're doing it because God said to do it. Uh, All right. Let's take a break. We're going to go okay. to the top of the hour. When we get back, can capital, capital punishment cannot be harmonized with the concept of a loving God is one uh, argument someone might make. And what would you do if you have to set in on a jury in a capital murder case? Could you send someone to the death penalty? The follow-up to that is, could you be the administer of the death penalty? And uh, we need to answer the question, what about eyewitnesses? So let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. <laughs> And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> 
And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and this moment I invite you to participate in this program too. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back in the program as we talk about capital punishment. Lots to talk about tonight. We've got an announcement to make at the end of the program about an upcoming uh, series of events here at the, the College U Church uh, next week. We'll talk about that, but we want to get to our questions. What about uh, capital punishment? Can it be harmonized with the idea of a loving God? Well, first of all, we got this email from Anthony. He said, if we practice capital punishment swiftly and surely, it would be a deterrent to crime. Absolutely. Okay. And then he goes on to say, a loving God does not mean a God that does not mete out justice. Clearly from the scriptures, God approves of capital punishment as a way of his or for his ordained human governments to keep the peace. The term loving God is misleading. People use this phrase to try to support their ideas that we're all okay and there is no hell. They are twisting the word loving. God is a loving God. But the reason that he gave his only son on the cross, but the reason is that he gave his only son on the cross, and that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yep. Uh, you know, God's rules for a safe uh, society are an indicator of His love for us. In other words, He He gave laws that, when in when followed completely, would make our lives here on earth the very best they they possibly can be. If evil, if evil people are punished for their wrongs, then that's just a, an indication that God has put in place in His love. He has put in a place where good people live peaceful lives. That's and so His loving nature is seen in the fact that He wants evil people punished so that good people can be uh, living peacefully, be rewarded. Paul in the chat room says on the loving God argument, consider phrases like the terror of the Lord, the wrath of God. Romans chapter 11, verse 22 says God is multifaceted, good and severe. And so, again, we, we've got to be careful about limiting God to our understanding of how things ought to be uh, when he's on a much higher plane. I may not have made my point clear. My, my thinking is, when so there's a serial killer out here on the loose. Right. When the authorities catch him and punish him, then I am blessed as a result. Good people are blessed. Okay. So, in a sense, we see God's love in the, in the fact that he put in place a system whereby perverted psychopaths like that guy can't be just roaming around out there on the loose inflicting uh, punishment or inflicting harm on on good people. I, you see what it. I'm saying? I've got it. Yeah, okay. uh, that's clear. Yeah. All right, now, number five, what would you do if you had to set in on a jury in a capital murder case? Could you sentence someone to the death penalty? I could. You could. Yeah. I'm not saying I want to, but I'm saying I could. All right. Anthony says, first, I would use the above information to educate my fellow jurors that capital punishment is absolutely ordained by God. Secondly, if the facts in the case pointed to guilt beyond doubt, I would absolutely vote to sentence the defendant to death. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I, mean, I don't know that anybody wants to be in that situation, 
But being put in that situation in a, in a case where he couldn't avoid it, I mean, it's the will of God. How could you say, I, I wouldn't do it? Because I, I, are, are we going to resist the will of God? All right. Let's go on. And uh, let's get to the questions that have been posed by our listeners uh, tonight. First, by Paul. He says, uh, he asked a question early in the program tonight, and I think it's been batted around a little bit in the chat room, and we'll take your comments in the chat room now because uh, we've likely lost your previous comments along along these lines. Could you do it? Could you execute the punishment if, as a Christian, let us know your thoughts in the chat room quickly. Dad, could you do it? Now, again, the argument goes... God said, "Thou shalt not kill." And so, if I were going to be uh, committing, uh, you know, doing the, the the punishment, the capital punishment, I would be in effect killing. Therefore, I cannot do it as a Christian. That's the well, argument. Well, of course, we got to we got to distinguish between murder and taking life. Okay. And in in the in the scripture, when thou shalt not kill is properly, thou shalt not commit murder. Right. When when a when a convicted person is executed, that's not murder. Uh, Take, in other words, all murder is taking of life. Not all taking of life is murder. Okay. You know, the argument is uh, that, uh, well, uh, God wants it to be done, but he, but Christians couldn't do it. That seems to be very ironic to me. And, and, and It's self-contradictory. It is, if, because sin is a transgression of God's will. But if it's God's will that these uh, this action be done, then how could it be a sin to do it? Right. Uh, God doesn't give instructions that would be sinful for one person and not sinful for another in areas of like this. In other words... Uh, if, if, as we have proved on the virtual Bible study night, I think we've proved from the scriptures that God, it is God's will that people be punished with the death penalty for certain crimes. Right. Now, if that is His will, it is not a sin to carry out His will. That would be, that would be a self-contradictory position. You can't at one at, at the same time say it, it is it, it is His will, but it is a sin to carry out His will. Right. That's just not the case. Now. And so that being that being the, uh, what I believe is the necessary conclusion, I would say yes, I could be the executioner. I'm not saying I want to be the executioner, uh, but I'm saying that I believe I could do it without committing sin. Right. Be it pull the lever on the electric chair or inject the the the, the deadly poisons into the intravenous system or or shoot the firing and shoot the gun on the firing squad or or be the the hangman uh, on the gallows, I think you could do it. I'm not saying I want to do it, but I, I, I do not believe those people will be held accountable for having sinned when they did it. I think Paul agrees with you. He says, I'm not sure I could. I'm not saying it would be wrong. I just doubt I could be the one to carry it out. I suppose there might be a lot of jobs I wouldn't choose. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, okay. I think that's exactly right. All right, now, the question has been posed in the chat room as well as we go rapid fire with the, cha- the questions posed by our listeners. We probably have missed some. Is capital punishment vengeance? Yes, God's vengeance, Romans 13. Okay. Romans 13 says we can't take personal vengeance. Remember, we read that earlier. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Avenge not yourselves, rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That's chapter 12, verse 19. Skip down just a few verses into chapter 13, verse 4. Uh, civil government bears not the sword in vain. He is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth wrath. Yes, it is a form of vengeance. It's God's vengeance. It's not our personal vengeance. It's God's vengeance against evil doers. And we shouldn't want our personal vengeance to be carried out by the government, I don't think, either. I think we should want God's vengeance to be. But I think we, as if we have been victims of the crime, need to turn that over to God and allow him to... Yeah, to no, we can't, we can't pursue personal vengeance. But I don't think it's wrong for us. 
other words, if if I if I am the person who has been wronged by let, let's say that a, a loved one has been viciously right. murdered, right. I believe it's right for me to expect the civil government to do their job, to even insist that they do their job, to find the ones who are guilty of the crime and to carry out punishment. I have a right to expect them to do what God told them to do. But at the same time, I think I need to do something to divorce myself from of the personal vengeance of wanting that to, for, for on a personal perspective. But perhaps I, I'm mistaken in that. And, and again, that's that's a difficult uh, thing to navigate. A uh, question uh, also was posed, and I think this will be the last one we get to. What about eyewitnesses? Do you have to have eyewitnesses today? In the Old Testament, they needed two or three witnesses. Do you need two or three witnesses today? Well, I don't know. I mean, there it, were some passages that were thrown in the chat room that are probably gone now. But uh, we, well, there are several in the Old Testament that, that suggest witnesses. There are some uh, in the New Testament as well, but uh, uh, it's not in the it's not in regards to capital punishment per se. Paul said uh, concerning a church matter by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let's see. Let, yeah. let me let me look here. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was it's also in regard to uh, accusation against elders. Uh, as well as two or three witnesses in First Timothy chapter five verse nineteen against yeah. elders, not accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Second Corinthians thirteen one, I think, is the one that was mentioned in the yes, chat room. Yes, it was. Uh, this is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Uh, in other words, some were some were critical of Paul and his apostleship and so forth, and yep. he was saying it, it'll be proved by witnesses. Uh, but I, I don't know that in the case of civil government and carrying out their God-ordained responsibilities that eyewitnesses were specified uh, as being necessary. There are, there are a number of things that could contribute to the conclusion that a person is guilty of a capital crime. We've got new kinds of technologies like DNA evidence and so forth has been mentioned in the chat room uh, that would... Uh, be available to be used to try to do, as we were saying earlier, our very best job of making sure that the person truly is guilty and that an innocent person is not being punished. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'd say that not necessarily. We don't see those uh, those rules in the New Testament. All right. Anything else on the capital punishment? Uh, I don't know. I, I think we, we've covered several things. I, I, I'd be interested to investigate that a little more thoroughly. I hadn't really anticipated the question of, under the old law, for sure, they had to have witnesses. Of course, that would have been the only, uh, basically, effectively, the only thing that that could be used as testimony, Old Testament. But, you know, I'm wondering if even under, this is a question. We'll throw this out for, for your further consideration. When it says witnesses under the Old Testament, would they necessarily have had to be an eyewitness? In other mm-hmm. words, saw the crime firsthand. Or could they have been a witness who said, well, he told me he did it. Uh, I, I wasn't there when Jacob stole that man's cow, yeah. but he told me he did it. And mm-hmm. so could I be a witness against you in a trial, not based on what I had personally seen, but but some credible testimony that I'm privy to that are was we, not we, eyewitness. What you're saying is are we adding the word I yeah, that uh, might to be some of those them. passages? That's something to be thinking about. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it's been a good discussion. You know, I didn't think we would probably have enough to talk about since our interview fell through, but uh, our listeners in the chat room surely have posed several more questions that uh, did uh, spawn some good discussion. We appreciate that. Uh, real quick, I got a, uh, an email from, from Pat in Alabama who says, God uses the sinful actions of men to accomplish his will. In many cases, like Judas, Joseph Brothers, Assyrius, he lists several here. Uh, I'm not sure if it, 
I think Pat is arguing that it would be sinful for a Christian uh, to be the one who executes the capital punishment. Uh, but again, uh, the actions themselves were sinful there, not... Uh, and I mean, it was... Those those things were... Eh, I don't know. Out, I'm, out I'm, not sure. I'm not sure the full conclusion that Pat's uh, trying to reach there, and he didn't specify. So we'll, we're out of time. We'll just have to leave it at that. All right. Well, uh, we need to make an announcement about what's going on here next week. Yeah, month. we're having a gospel meeting here at College View. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, come to our gospel meeting. Start Sunday. We'll have our normal service time Sunday morning, 9.30, 10.30. James Buchanan will be speaking to us. 2.30 in the afternoon, Sunday, we'll have a singing. 3 o'clock, we'll have preaching by Kevin Maxey. Okay. Then next week, throughout the week, we're having different speakers each night. Well, I don't know if I can call them off the top of my head. Monday night, Steve Klein. Tuesday night, uh, Mitch Davis. Wednesday night, Jim Walsh. Thursday night, Donnie Rader. Friday night, Troy Nicholson will be our speakers. 7 o'clock each evening. 7 o'clock, Monday through Friday. Thursday night, Donnie Rader is going to bring a lesson on. And the question asked is, one faith as good as another? That will be his sermon at 7. And at 8 o'clock, we're going to use that as the basis of our virtual Bible study discussion. And you can come and be a participant in a live studio audience. And uh, that's next Thursday night at the regular time. Uh, again, the meeting will go November 6th through the 11th, 2011. If you need any more information, we encourage you to contact us. Now, let's say that you're not anywhere near Columbia, Tennessee, and it is totally impractical for you to come and attend our meeting. We're going to try. We're going to try. Check check our website uh, any night next week. We're going to try to stream the the, uh, the weeknight services uh, on Ustream. All right, so we'll have a virtual gospel meeting as well next week. Again, that will be 7 o'clock Central Time each night next week. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be streaming those uh, those sermons over the Internet. All right. All right. Thanks for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jay. And Jeff's been behind the controls all night. We have ignored Jeff. I hope you haven't had any comments, Jeff. We appreciate you for uh, driving the controls. Job well done. We appreciate you for being on the other end of the line tonight uh, for joining us in this uh, examination of what God's Word has said on the subject of capital punishment. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for the virtual Bible study. And if you can, be uh, here at our gospel meeting next week, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock each evening and Sunday at 9.30 and 2.30. Thanks again for being a part of the program. Uh, We look forward to being with you this time next week. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.